0: All right. So, well, hi. My uh, name is Kisaki Nakatsukasa, and I am the person behind Taiga Japanese Terriers. And I'm also currently the only person actively involved in the Japanese Terriers in the United States. So, uh, you know, very excited to share about these guys. Uh, So, I guess a little bit about me. Um, I was born and grew up in Japan, and while I was there, I have never seen or even heard of anyone who owns or used to own a Japanese terrier. And I lived in the one of the major cities. So I think that kind of tells you how uh, rare these guys are. Um, And as the name suggests, they are from Japan. And you, you know, you rarely see them around. Um, As far as my experience go with them at the time, I've seen them a few times in dog uh, breed books. And I would you know, kind of research random dog breeds for fun when I was younger, and the Japanese terriers were one of them. But uh, um, not so much, you know, hands on experience with them at the time. Um, but uh, my family has always been a dog centered household. And growing up, we had uh, many breeds of all kinds from uh, chihuahuas to the birdies mountain dogs. Uh, however, Uh, My family wasn't the biggest fan of Terriers, um, but I did like the Terriers, and so when I was in uh, fourth or fifth grade, uh, I was allowed to get my first own dog that I was solely responsible for, and I was interested in Terriers, but I did have to kind of compromise, and I ended up with a Dachshund. they're different but in a way slightly similar to terriers with like the stubbornness and the spicy kind of big dog and a small dog body kind mm-hmm. of way um and you know i absolutely loved this girl and the breed and i definitely saw myself continuing with the dachshund actually but um unfortunately i uh, lost her from an accident and i just kind of couldn't bring myself to own another one
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and then at the time you know i was a little more older um and i just kind of randomly ended up at a local pet event and at that event i met my first uh american hairless terriers in person and absolutely fell in love with them and later on ended up uh, with my own um and then i still could plan on continuing with this breed and i was actually kind of slowly looking into uh, breeders and other options to continue with the hairless um but then I found out that, uh, there's a Japanese terrier available in Japan, um, close to where I'm from and, uh, definitely had my doubts with, uh, the lack of like hands-on experience with them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but, uh, you know, did some, did more research, uh, talked to the breeder there and, uh, everything just kind of worked out and, uh, I ended up flying to Japan and back to the U S with this, uh, a little Japanese terrier. Um, And then, you know, as I got to spend more time with him, I did see uh, a lot of similarities as well as differences with the hairless terrier. Um, And just, you know, I just love spending time with this guy. He's such a smart um, and active guy. And I was looking into uh, the population and a little more information on the breed in the U.S., uh, only to find out that they pretty much don't exist here. and this definitely made me sad um, because they are such an amazing breed with the right people. And I think this was kind of my uh, starting point to kind of help establish the breed here in the U.S. Um, and so uh, as my first big step, I uh, wanted them to get accepted in the American Kennel Club Foundation Stock Service. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and the FSS program is a program for rare purebred breeds in America to develop, so they can later on be fully recognized. Um, and so I sent in all the required documents to AKC, um, and they were finally uh, accepted in uh, twenty twenty of October. So like almost exactly a year now since uh, they were accepted. And so, uh, this means, uh, you know, the Japanese terriers can compete in all breed-appropriate sports uh, with the AKC and get recorded with them. Um, and so, you know, my, pro- uh, my, I guess, project has, you know, just started, I've got a long way to go with uh, getting the breed more out there, but uh, definitely excited and uh, interested to see where we would be in, say, the next 10, 20, 30 years. So they were first uh, recognized by the Japan Kennel Club in 1930 Um, and the creation of their breed uh, isn't as clear. Um, So as far as we know, uh, the Smooth Fox Terrier from the Netherlands came to uh, Japan in the Nagasaki port and this Smooth Fox Terrier bred with an Italian Greyhound. and some sort of other like native Japanese dogs, mm-hmm. creating uh, a mixture of today's Moose Fox Terrier and today's Japanese Terrier in a way. And then over time, um, the fancier of this breed that was called the Kobe Terriers at the time. Uh, Kobe is like the, uh, the location of where all this was happening. And, um, and they were pretty well known. Uh, they were kind of like the only the first terrier to be kind of originating in Japan. Mm -hmm. So they were pretty well known. Um, and then just kind of over time, this COVID terriers were, uh, bred with, uh, the, the Manchester terrier, uh, the toy bull terrier and as well as other like, you know, native Japanese dogs. And then just kind of later on, just kind of create, uh, created this, uh, the Japanese terriers. Um, And uh, so yeah, they are one of the small terriers. Uh, They're usually around 10 to 13 inches or 30 to 33 centimeters. Um, Most are around 10 to 15 pounds or four to seven kilograms. And uh, so yeah, they're small dogs, but definitely don't let the size fool you because they've got big attitudes with no issue keeping up with the big guys. So uh, very, very tough dogs. So the main purpose was to be a small uh, watchdog, um, and it's a little unique when compared to other terriers. Uh, they've got great senses; uh, they really don't miss a thing. And so they were mainly used as a as a watchdog, but they have, in the past, been used as uh, for vermin hunting. Mm-hmm. But overall, speaking, mainly as a watchdog, so uh, they're generally very alert and cautious of their surroundings and uh aloof with strangers mm-hmm. um so i think when you first see a japanese terrier for the first time you'll probably notice the the funny pattern with the black head and the white body um and this specific pattern is called Minkaburi Donuke in japanese which translates to masked head naked body um and this pattern is uh the most popular and the most uh, traditional marking of this breed, and really what makes the japanese terrier a japanese terrier um, and ever since the very beginning, this pattern and their, uh, overall appearance has always been said to be the most important or the, the it factor of the breed. And, um, and in addition to this, uh, pattern, they also come in more patterns like Hinomaru, Odome, or Chaboke. Um, Hinomaru pattern actually represents the Japan flag where the dog has the Menkaburi Donake marking, but with a black circle on their back. So it kind of looks like a Japanese flag. Um And then the man kind of similar, but instead of the black marking on the back, it's on the rear end. Um, and these patterns are actually considered to be better than the traditional menkaburitonuke, and it's not something you specifically can like breed for. Um, it has been tried in the past uh, without much success. So, and you know, genetics is just a funny thing. So these patterns just kind of pop up randomly. So uh, pretty rare and uncommon um, in the breed. And then Chaboke is also another one where instead of a black face, the dog's uh, face is mostly brown or tan. And this is actually not considered to be the best because it affects the the overall expression of the dog. And in some lines today, Chaboke is pretty common. And it's a little controversial topic in the breed. Um, Some say it's like completely bad. Some are kind of okay with it. Um, and personally, I'm more of the not so okay with the K just cause it, they look so different with the, the appearance and the, the overall expression of the breed. So that's definitely something I would, you know, want to work on and kind of breed out of. Um, and then, uh, and as far as the patterns go, they kind of, the breed comes in like a mixture of all those patterns I mentioned earlier. So, you know, some will have extra black on their body, extra white on their head, uh, and so on. And so when breeding, uh, the one with the good patterns will definitely be favored, but you definitely also want to keep the, the structure and the temperament in mind, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and just not completely get rid of the dog with a slightly off pattern. So that's something to keep in mind of. And then if you keep breeding uh, the dog with the, uh, the menka vidjoneke markings, um, the white tends to overrun the block. And there's been a number of dogs where uh the dog came out to be all white which is uh not good uh so far the all white hasn't been connected to like any deafness or blindness or anything like that but um looking at the standard it's the all whites are not the best um
1: and uh
0: today a lot of dogs tend to have uh non-straight front legs so their paws would be kind of facing outwards which is a big problem in the breed. And uh, not a lot of people are kind of uh, working on it per se. So that's definitely something I would personally want to work on as well. Um, And uh, kind of brings me to uh, to the next point of um, their uh, coat. Um, In addition to the patterns, another thing that's very unique about them is their coat and the length. Uh, They have a very, very short coat that's around a millimeter to 3 4 millimeters so it's very short um close to being hairless almost and uh which is why you see a lot of Japanese terriers where you can see like the black spots on their body um, and it's actually not their pattern or their coat, but it's their skin, mm-hmm. um, with how short and the white the coat is. Um, and so I, have you know, had a number of people comment how soft and, uh, velvet-like the coat is. Um, I've also had some people ask if I, like, shave my dog, because of just how short it is. Um, and, uh, depending on the dog, some dogs are very spotty, or some might not even have any spots and just be all white. Um, So, you know, with them being short-coated dogs, you know, in the winter, they need extra clothes. In the summer, they may need sunscreen or an SPF clothes uh, to protect their skin. So um, there's uh, actually one uh, breeder in Japan who's actually working to get the the dog's coat uh, longer in length. So that visually, it looks a little more better with the non-spotted dogs, but uh, and then to prevent like skin sensitivities, because with them being hairless, you do need or close to being careless, you do need more uh, protection. And um, I'm kind of in between personally, because um, the longer coat dogs uh, visually do look nice, but it's. The, the short coat's been always been like the thing with the breed for for a long time now. So, um, I'm personally kind of in between with the long coat or the the, the standard dog, short coat dogs short coated dogs. So yeah, that's definitely something I I'm kind of still working on. Um, and uh, ma- one of the major thing in Japan is the lack of health testing. Um, it's not really, health testing isn't really a thing in Japan, um, and pretty much no one health tests their dogs. Uh, so we have close to zero data on, uh, common, uh, health issues in this breed. Um, and, uh, so yeah, it's a little hard to say what's common, what's not common in the breed. Um, but I have seen a a few issues with uh, luxating patella, as well as allergies and uh, skin sensitivities. So um, that's definitely something I'm looking at. Um, And I am pretty much the the only first and only person to kind of extensively health test the the, this breed. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm uh, testing for any um, genetic problems and for uh, patella and uh, leg calf versus disease, which are common in small dogs. And I also test for hips and elbows, uh, just because I have an active household and do a lot of sports with them. So, um, you know, maybe uh, in the future when I have a little more data, I might be adding more health testing or kind of switch some stuff around. So we'll see, um, you know, with the data we have or we'll have in the future. But as of now, it's, um it's kind of hard to see you know what's what's uh what's the major issue in the breed but uh generally speaking i would say just the skin sensitivities or the allergies and the, the patella issue
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so i would say the main issue would be the the skin sensitivities and the allergies um it's i it's from what i know it's pretty common with uh breeds with a uh, small um genetic pool. Uh, With the other native uh, Japanese breeds, I hear this problem a lot. And it's not necessarily something you can like test for. And um, so that's definitely, you know, a big issue in the Japanese terriers. I know a number of them who are kind of suffering from some sort of skin problems. And so, uh, and, uh, the, the the breeder in Japan that I mentioned is also aware of this issue with the skin sensitivities, and so that's one of the reasons he's breeding for the longer coat,
1: mm-hmm. um, which
0: is very understandable. Um, but then at the same time, that also kind of changes what the Japanese Terrier is with mm-hmm. the with the very short coat that they originally have. So it's you know it's a really um, kind of a funky issue there. Um, so just. Um, you know, when they're puppies, just kind of slowly uh, building up their immune system is as is, you know, kind of what you can do as for now. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, making sure to not breed dogs with serious issues, serious skin problems, or serious allergies because they have been bred before. Those dogs have been bred before, and you know that. Uh, genetic problem kind of have been still continuing on and uh, with the dogs today um, personally I am feeding a, a raw diet a pre-made raw diet that's balanced and that seems to be uh, working well and uh, some of the breeders in Japan are also giving uh, like goat milk or uh, like uh, yogurt, to kind of build up their uh, immune system and that seems to be working pretty well as well. Um, I know some people, uh, some dogs are kind of pretty sensitive to chicken, I noticed. So that might be something you want to stay out of, uh, stay away from. But just I would say just, you know, a high quality, um, balanced diet would be the best. Um, so I do a lot of hiking in the winter in the snow. And so I, uh, use a lot of, um, uh, winter, uh, jackets or coats Mm -hmm. with them. Um, and that seems to be, you know, doing the trick. They can go out in the wind, in the snow for hours with this jacket. Um, and then in the winter, uh, or in the summer, um, uh, you know, without sunscreen or like some sort of SPF clothes, their skin can get a little red and irritated from mm-hmm. the the sun and the sunburn. Um, so, just you know, a dog friendly uh, sunscreen uh, will do the will do the trick. Um, they're they better in the in the summer as mm-hmm. far as the temperature goes. Um, they do get cold pretty easily mm-hmm. um, in the winter. So, you know, just extra precautions. Mm-hmm um so temperament wise i like to consider them like a mix of uh terrier and primitive breeds mm-hmm. so you know like the terriers they're uh great athletes uh confident uh stubborn and hard-headed at times but mm-hmm. they are considered terrier light meaning they're not as intense as other terrier breeds so they shouldn't have any sort of aggression so uh, no dog aggression or same-sex aggression or anything along those lines so they should do well with other dogs and should do well in a multi-dog household um so it, in a way they're like a nice beginner terrier um and then like the primitive breeds as i mentioned earlier they're aloof with strangers uh independent very cautious and alert of their surroundings so um not the kind of dogs to kind of go up to anyone for attention, um, and are more so indifferent with strangers. And, uh, have got no problem alerting of any strange behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they've got a great off switch. So they're not, you know, constantly jumping off the walls or anything like that. Um, and, uh, they're very, very smart dogs. Uh, they catch things quick. So, uh, training is a lot of fun. Um, Trick training, sports training, whatever you and the dog's interested in, they're all games. Um, But as a terrier slash primitive breed, they need a reason to do whatever you're asking for. Um, They're not the kind of dogs who want to please you. Uh, They only do things because they want to or because they can get something in return, like uh, food or toys. (laughs) Um, And most are food motivated, so that definitely helps. Um, but you still do want to keep training sessions interesting and uh, to keep their focus. Um, so yeah, definitely, and so for anyone interested, definitely recommend that they are f- uh, first and foremost prepared to provide a big amount of socialization. Um, they require socialization more than a lot of other breeds, I think, uh, without it or enough of it, they will end up nervy or nervy and timid, and in some cases aggressive, And I know a number of dogs that are like scared of the world, or a few that are aggressive and that's definitely not something you want to deal with in this breed. So uh, socialization is definitely, you know, by far the most important thing in their puppyhood. Mm -hmm. uh, So that, you know, they're not aggressive or scared of everything Mm -hmm. and everyone. Um, And then another and then an ideal owner would also be prepared for the stubbornness and the the what's in it for me attitude. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as mentioned, they don't work for you or with you, they only work for themselves. So they need a reason um, and do whatever you're asking them to do. Uh, For example, with my guy, uh, he is one of the most food driven dog I've ever met. And so if I have high value food on me, he will, he's the most biddable dog I I know, he will do anything uh, that I ask, because he he knows he can get the food that he wants. But if I don't have food on me, he he could care less about me. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah
1: what are some activities that you guys uh, partake in
0: yeah we do a number of sports uh like we we're coursing uh barn hunt uh, agility confirmation um and a lot of uh hiking and kind of hanging out with other dogs and they they do a great job. They are very uh, do-it-all dogs. Um, I know a number of uh, them in Japan who also do agility and uh, flyball as well. And uh, they are, you know, they're great athletes. So they, they yeah, they're 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 amazing at it. Uh,
1: do they like water?
0: Um. So most do not like water. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Mine hates water actually Mm -hmm. um and yeah majority of them do not like water so anything besides water uh they're all games (laughs) yeah i know a lot of uh other japanese dogs that aren't biggest fan of water so Mm -hmm. yeah it might be coming from there
1: (laughs) does the american rare breeds association do they recognize the japanese terrier
0: yep they do um them and uh um, United Kennel Club, oh,
1: okay,
0: and uh, IABCA. It's like another uh, smaller venue for rare breeds, mainly for rare breeds.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and they all recognize them. So uh, you know, you can if you're interested in showing, uh, you can show them at the AKC Open Shows or any of the other UKC uh, Rare Breed Association shows. Or yeah,
1: which uh, which has been the best for you to deal with
0: um so things are pretty limited uh with this uh with as far as show goes in this area but um haven't been able to do uh the akc open shows yet but i've had a really great experience with the united kennel club um i've been there a few times and uh, very very welcoming and the judges have pretty much never seen a japanese terrier in person or or some i've met some that did even know what breed it was. So uh, a lot of kind of educating on my side, uh, for the judges, a lot of times the judges will ask me what I think about the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a pretty interesting uh, experience showing him but, um, but yeah, a lot of them are, you know, very welcoming, and very interested to learn this uh, rare breed. So uh, yeah, I have one of the, uh, you know, greatest experience with all these uh, shows I go to.
1: How many uh Japanese terriers do you currently own?
0: So right now they I only have the one and so he is currently, you know, the first and only ever uh registered Japanese terrier in the United States. Um I was actually uh had the plan to import another one this summer, but think uh, things didn't work out too well. But I'm you know constantly in contact with the, the breeders in Japan um and so if all goes well hopefully later this year or maybe early next year this kind of depends on on all the covid restrictions and um uh the dogs <laughs> yeah. the japan kennel club isn't uh a fan of outcrossing dogs uh-huh. uh and the japanese terriers again are a have very small gene pools and a lot of the breeders in japan are retiring soon and you know at this rate it's not looking too good for the breed unfortunately and so i personally have kind of briefly thought about a possible outcross project but it's not supported by the japan kennel club so um going on i'm not too sure what i want to do yet but outcrossing is definitely something i have in mind but um, the Japan Kennel Club would honestly rather see a, a breed go extinct than than support an L cross project. Unfortunately, so so uh, yeah.
1: Why do you think that is?
0: Um, you know they've actually done it before. There was I can't remember the name, but there was a an, a Japanese breed who desperately needed an outcross project because of the very low numbers but the 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 japan Club will not support it and the breed actually went extinct um and uh you know the the, and i think in japan as a whole uh there is uh purebred breeds are very very like popular um if you go to japan a lot most people will, will own a purebred breed and i think that's kind of part of the culture and how where Japan Kennel Club is coming from. Um, they're not too fond of, of mixed breeds or mixing dog purebred breeds on purpose. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I just, I think it's just the part of their culture, I guess. Um, not the biggest fan of, you know, mixed, mixed breeds. So a lot of uh, purebred dogs are, are, are there. Um, Um, in Japan and even outside of of Japan, they the Japanese terriers don't actually have an active parent club, mm-hmm. so it's very hard to you know get people together to uh, start this possible outcross project, um, and so it's gonna be a while um, for it or if we will even do it. Um, but I've uh, personally I've been. For me, an L cross project for the Japanese Terrier, terrier would be to use uh, the uh, the Smooth Fox Terrier, which were uh, one of their main uh, foundation breeds, um, as well as the uh, the Manchester Terrier, um, another one of their foundation breeds. Um, and as mentioned earlier, they really um, lack—they uh, have got like uh, EC Westie paws, so their paws are face, facing outwards, which is a big problem in this breed. Um, so that's definitely something I would look for um, with the the other breeds who have more uh, wider gene pool with uh, a little more straighter uh, front legs. Um, and then I also, um, to keep the, for, from the Manchester Terriers, to get the colors, uh, the, the black and tan colors, because uh, there has been a lot of increase in just breeding the, the, the black head and the white body, and a lot of them are kind of slowly starting to lose that black and tan color because the white is over uh, overriding those colors, unfortunately. And then, um, and, and all white or mostly white dog, white Japanese terriers, aren't really uh, the best per se, um, according to the the breed standard and the breed history. Um, <clears throat> So I, uh, yeah, so those were those would be kind of the the main stuff that I would be looking into, um, and then just you know uh, helping with the 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 small uh, gene pool that they have, um, and and then the, uh, the 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 common health issues um, with the the allergies and the skin sensitivities because a lot of the lines tend to have, have that. Mm-hmm. So the the dog that I was hoping to import sometime this summer uh, the, the two litters that I was looking at turned out to be all boys and uh, and I was specifically looking for a female um, and, they, and then there was another litter that I was interested in uh, a few months ago um, but then and there was a really nice female but uh, she unfortunately passed due to some complexity
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: so you know it's been a bit of a a struggle but hoping hopefully uh there'll be some available you know uh end of the year or next year or anything Uh, i mean i'm not into a bit of a rush so no, i still got time um and i'm in no rush so we'll just you know wait for the the right girl Uh um so well they are um as far as their temperament goes, I think it might have sounded like a bit of a challenge and, uh, you know, a pretty unique read. But I did want to mention that the relationship that you build with these guys, I think, are very special because um, you kind of have to work around them or kind of work for them in a way Mm -hmm. and so it's the best feeling like seeing all the training and the time you put into them pay off because i i have one of some of the best times you know training and competing in multiple sports uh with my guy and just kind of watching him do his stuff um but yeah but you know as a a rare breed they uh, will be some wait time with this breed um, there's roughly around five to 600 of them left in the world. Um, and then less than a hundred of them born and registered each year really depends on the year, but I'll say usually around 50 to 80 are born, um, each year. So, uh, yeah, it, it might be a bit of a challenging breed to kind of get into, but, uh, I would say it's definitely worth the wait and, you know, worth all the, the training and time you you'll spend on them. Uh, most are located in, uh, near Tokyo, uh, there's a city called Chiba, mm-hmm. and that's where one of the, the biggest breeder, uh, is located in. And he tends to kind of place a lot of his dogs in that region. So there is actually this one, uh, big dog park there and you and at that park you would often be able to see at least like four or five Japanese harriers. Um, there's a number of regulars there. So yeah, but most of them are like, you know, in the the Shiba or the Tokyo Mm -hmm. uh, region. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Most are, you know, in Japan. And then there's actually around uh, 20 in Europe. Okay. And there's uh, like a few breeders there. um, And you know, they're slowly starting to grow their population in uh, Europe. Um, so most of their dogs are from, uh, this one, uh, breeder Mm -hmm. that actually got my dog from, and you know, he's a great breeder, but he's actually retiring in like the next five years or so. Um, and so they've actually been struggling to find another line because a lot of their dogs are from the same line and, you know, they want more diversity. And so we've been kind of getting in touch and, you know, the, the, the biggest, uh, hurdle for them is the, lang- the language barrier because um, the breeders in Japan they only speak Japanese right. and so it's you know it's a big challenge um for them so you know I've been kind of contacting them here and there um and I uh they actually recently uh imported a, a dog from another line and he actually went he actually landed in Europe uh like a couple weeks ago oh. um so yeah so they've you know they've finally got a new uh dog from a completely different line which is great and uh you know they're still kind of trying to figure out what they want to do Mm -hmm. um and kind of build their relationship with the breeders in japan oh
1: awesome
0: Mm -hmm. um definitely the american hairless terriers i i to be honest i don't think i could pick between the japanese hair and the american hairless Mm -hmm. um they're pretty similar in many ways but also slightly different um, and the hairless terriers, I've met a few, and all of them have been so, so great, um, and the community is also great as well, and, you know, I'm a big fan of rare or uncommon breeds, and uh, these guys, uh, the, especially the hairless version, are very, you know, eye-catching, mm-hmm. and I can't go out without, like, 100, pe- 100 people stopping us, so, uh, definitely the American Hairless Harriers, Uh Generally speaking, they're a pretty healthy breed um, and fits my lifestyle really well, love the community. So, yeah, definitely the American Hairless for sure. They are actually from America and the foundation breed are solely the Rat Terriers. Uh, the Rat Terriers actually have uh, like a recessive hairless gene mm-hmm. that just kind of randomly popped up one day. And uh, uh, some people, uh, started uh, specifically breeding for the recessive hairless gene and then you know creating which uh, ultimately created the american hairless terrier so um in a way they're basically just a hairless rat terrier.
1: okay <laughs> yep. those are good dogs rat terriers um what breed a dog that you haven't seen much mm-hmm. of or at all interests you and why
0: um, I have recently been interested in the Brazilian Terrier. Yeah, okay. I haven't been, uh, I've never seen them in person, but I've seen them, you know, like pictures and videos here and there. And I've also talked to someone that owns, uh, the Brazilian Terriers, and from, from what I'm hearing, they sound pretty similar to the Japanese Terriers, actually with their temperament and, um, and their appearance looks pretty similar as well. Um, sometimes when you, if you search of Japanese terriers on Google and you, like, go down, uh, a, a picture of a Brazilian terrier will randomly kind of pop up sometimes because mm-hmm. they just, they look so similar. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely something, uh, another breed that I would be, uh, you know, interested in. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I've always been more towards the smaller, medium dog breeds just because it's, they're so easy to travel, uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, I would say... Um, I might just, probably the greater, uh, the great, uh, Swiss mountain dogs.
1: Okay.
0: I used to own them, uh, growing up uh, as long as, as long as with the, the Bernese mountain dogs and, uh, you know, they are, they're huge, but very, very gentle kind of, uh, very nice family dogs. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely probably them.
1: Have you seen any, uh when you were in japan
0: um i i don't i have not i don't i don't think so they're pretty they're pretty rare there too yeah they uh, they um, as far as i know they don't have too much of a good representation because a lot of some of them are still used for dog fighting there and i know a lot of of uh people in japan are kind of against it But, um, and I haven't really seen, I'm not really, haven't really seen what's happening in that side of the world, but um, but it'll be really nice to see one in person and kind of, you know, interact and see what they're like for sure.